Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is a part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And I am joined this week by one esteemed panel of nerds. Well, or I'm joined by the usual panel of, of nerds. Whether they're esteemed or not, that's up to you, noble listener. First, there is my partner in crime, the man who has missed the fewest number of episodes at one, Mr. Maybe one, two? Probably like three. I will be missing next week, though. What, but Whatever. You've called in from fucking California Adventure or Disneyland. I might have to do to that. To not miss yeah. a show. You know, no, you don't have to. Go ride Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and do whatever the shit it is you do. Visit Toontown. Shake hands with Mickey. I, I don't know. Ride the Incredicoaster an extra time. Don't call into our show while you're out enjoying the world, man. Don't. You don't have to. We'll be okay. Yeah. We'll be okay. Enjoy. Enjoy your day off. I have not seen my daughter in six months. She's going to be coming out from Florida. We're all going to Disneyland. My son's graduating. It's her a her twenty first yeah. birthday. It's yeah. It's it's going to be a fun time. This so time. see, there you go. No need to be calling in from a parking lot. And He's going to be calling your graduation during the ceremony. <laughs> you hear you'll hear his son's name called in the background as he's talking to us about breaking down the latest Marvel news. I, anyway, I, I am excited to see what Avengers Campus has going on with Guardians hot and heavy in the in the theaters right now, especially that Mission Breakout ride. See if they added anything. Probably not, but you know, keep hoping. Stay try. Actually, that's not true. Di- Disney and their fucking like screen park shit. They they change stuff all the time. Uh anyway, you heard another voice in there. That is right, the return of the violent gentleman, Aesop Mitchell, here on loan from Hangover City, USA. How are you today, sir? I'm not hungover. I don't know what sure. the fuck you're talking about, but uh, sure, uh-huh. it's probably still lingering from the Super Mario Brothers movie. That's what it is. Um, I'm that, fine. I'm fine. That was your that was that was your friendly reminder that Aesop hates fun. He just he just hates fun. No, I hate Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong and Fred Armisen <laughs> as Cranky Kong and Chris Pratt as Mario and. Yeah, that's that's about it. Those are the big ones that I don't like. Anyway, and then we have uh, our good friend, Mr. Saturday Night. Sad Mr. Saturday Night. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Mr. PC Tani, a uh, little pouty. No, I'm good. I, I just want to say uh, thank you on air to you and Dave for pushing this back. Ended up being 15 minutes, but I wasn't sure. Let me tell you, it took us two hours to play the first six holes. And I'm like, we're not going to get done till two fucking clock. But somehow we started to speed up and I made it here on time. I couldn't miss this episode. Um, I had a lot of fun this weekend, so I'm ready to go. You started driving into the people in front of you. Is that it? Listen, at one point we do get to like the third to last hole and we cross paths with the people that were in front of us that were slow as hell. And in an outing, there are two holes behind the next group. You should be butts to nuts in an outing, right? And like someone jokingly said something like, are you guys trying to hit us? Ha ha ha. Cause like there was a ball over there or something. 
and I didn't say anything the first time. And then they said it again. And I was like, well, you know, you are two holes behind the next group in front of us. And the guy goes, Oh, we're trying to try to have a good time. And I just fucking walked away and I was laughing my ass off. Say, shut the fuck up. Cantley and get your ass in gear. Is that what you said? I'm like, I'm like, if you trust me, you don't want none of this, bro. <laughs> so yeah, there we put our we lives on pause for, uh, for PC Tunney and his golf outing. Uh, you know what else makes golf go faster? And it's being yeah. good at golf. Yeah, um, well, not, shot, not bogeying holes. We shot 12 under. Did you? It was a scramble where they, it was a big cup scramble. So they took the regular size cup out and this one was about three times the size. So it was really fun actually. Yeah. Mini it's a, it's a, it's, it's a smorgasbord for shitty golfers. That's what it is. Sounds like a lot of fun. Glad you had a good time, man. Uh, gave us, it gave me a little extra time to uh spin with a little o'dowd this morning so we uh we did some mother's day shopping while Ooh. you were out doing some yes a, we that that's an important that card took 10 minutes to pick up that's an important task for a dad and his children right I, uh, uh, I was able to secure my mother's day gift by uh getting my mom the fisher price run dmc little people collection uh oh, which i must say that's for my mom she she requested this so i think that's, that's pretty fucking cool that is a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool little item. The the rest of the Mother's Day gift will come in the form of alcohol later. Um, I just haven't purchased said alcohol yet, but it's coming, sweetheart. When you don't listen to this program, you now know that you're getting some booze in your future. Happy Mother's Day! I love you. Okay, so great show this week. We got a few interesting films in the trailer park to talk about. Some more casting rumors especially the most popular casting rumor floating around the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, we are going to also talk about what has happened in the wake of the writer's strike as some some directions are being taken by some studios. And it's kind of interesting to see where they're going. I'm going to spring a topic on Dave and Tunney that I meant to put in the rundown and Aesop, he's still with us, that I meant to put on the rundown, but left it off about the Star Wars universe and its future. Kathleen Kennedy did a very interesting interview that I felt was worth discussing. But before we get to any of that, before we get to any of that, we are going to, of course, talk Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 as that film hit theaters this weekend. And every nerd on the bandwagon has seen it. We are going to discuss it. If you haven't seen the film yet, this is your spoiler alert. If you don't want to know what happens in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, stop listening now because we are about to spoil the ever-loving shit out of this film and talk all about it. There we go. Let's start here. Guys, do we got to ban? Do we got to get rid of the Deadpool already? We're 0 for 2. Uh, well, okay, well, Kang the Conqueror technically I, died. I am 1 for 1. Thank you. You, you, got, you got 1 uh, on a very infilled technicality that made me consider a rules change, by the way. I didn't change the I'm rules. Saying, I'm just saying, 
I was smart with rules. You, you played it well. The bad guy was the great what or something? The high evolutionary. The high evolutionary. Okay. Uh, well, well, you didn't actually right? see him die. No, yeah. you don't see him die. You just see him. Yeah, we don't see him die. And I, I actually think that he. You didn't see Mom Gideon die either. You think he's dead? No, because he was a clone. This early in the show, we're already going to start. This. Why are you mad? Why are you getting I'm mad not, at that? I'm not, no, no. It's just like, I'm like, okay, here we go. He was a clone. How how could you not see? They literally walked by a bunch okay, then, of clones. Well, you don't then, think that's then, the only spot where Mop Gideon clones are hanging out? Okay, then what died was that version of Guardians of the Galaxy is dead, even though none of them died. And I cursed it by saying all of them would die. They were like, oh, yeah, Tony, watch this. No None of them fucking die. die. That's a, that would be a horrible take, Tony. Sorry. I, I, I will even say this, because uh, Drax was like the popular pick. Even though like Drax tease of being dead, I was like, he ain't dying here. Like, this isn't where he's going down. What are we, what are we talking about? Like, if he's going to die, he's going to die here. And he didn't die. It just He became a father in a different way, which was, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Um, as we kind of get to each of these characters. And I, I think everybody here, I think it's safe to say, everybody here really enjoyed this film. I, I think even Aesop, who has been very down on Marvel as of late uh, and talked about sort of, yeah, or you've talked about sort of just like it's been, it's felt very repetitive. It's felt very um, rushed. rushed. Yeah. It just has, you know, this movie looked good. Uh, it gave me vertigo at one point when they're, um, when they're jumping heading towards fleshy planet and the, the camera rotation thing around them as they're coming into land. Oh dude, that's no, no, no. what, what it was, was on the high evolutionary ship and the girl the running little, around. Yeah. Circle, that messed, he, they're going the, Oh, that fucked me up. Super. That bad. was a little rough too. Yeah. The one you were, the one you said Aesop didn't bother me so much. Like I, I was, I was kind of like, okay, here we go again. And, but the one Patrick you're talking about, as it was getting around to coming back to the normal framing, I'm like, okay, please fucking stop here. <laughs> I I actually had to look away from the screen for a second. Like I was like, oh man, like what I and I would put it akin to. So I think I talked about this when I first got the bifocals. Um, when I would like move my head too quickly and my eyes would get stuck trying to adjust between the two types of lenses, I would get a little disoriented, and that. I, I know that it was a very fancy, expensive camera technique designed to disorient you and make you feel like you're in a zero gravity experience. I can only really imagine what that felt like in 3D. Okay, I didn't see it in 3D. Am I the only one that saw it in 3D? Yeah. Okay. It was fucking some trippy shit. That and the um, the hallway scene on the on the ship on the ship at the end where they had to kill all the Hellspawn in the hallway. That. That was in 3D. That was worse because it was all this rotational stuff. It felt like a roller coaster, but only in not just up and down, like going side to side and diagonally around. But it was fucking awesome to see. I thought that was definitely the scene of the movie in 3D. And there were a lot of really good ones. 3D was really good for this movie, but that all the motion and the depth perception of seeing what's happening at the rest of the way going forward. And then all of a sudden something comes out from out of frame right in front of you and makes something happen. It was amazing. Well, let, let me uh, jump off that because that for me was like the thing that we were waiting for, right? We didn't get a lot of action, right? Especially not no. in, not throughout long sequences. I didn't care. 
I was enjoying it throughout the whole movie and the way that they kind of tease it in the sense like, we're about to get something. No, 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 no. We're about to get something. No, no, no. And then to drop No Sleep Till Brooklyn, boom, and play off that nice one take, I guess, you know, was fucking tremendous. And it was a huge payoff that everyone was loving in the theaters. Dave, did you get motion sickness? Or are you good? No, it's tough to get me motion sick. All the other issues I have, that's not one of them. So I didn't, I, I, I think I know the parts you guys were talking about, but it didn't, it didn't bother me. Oh, well, you're no fun. I know. All right. Well, so let's, uh, let's do this real quick. Uh, Sonny's already talked a little bit about his highlight. You know, one, one big scene, one highlight from each of you from this film before we start really getting into the nitty nitty gritty of it. Uh, and Dave, you've talked to Lee, so I'll ask, I'm going to put it on you to give your just one highlight. You only get one. You don't get to do like that whole, like where you talk about everything before I'm ready to talk about a thing. You get no. one of those. And you know what? I, while we're here, Dave's thinking real quick. Go ahead. Keep thinking, Dave. You're looking up and think, but you know what? Aesop, the way your brother answers trivia questions too, what? like, I don't think this is it. And then says a name and then you're like, oh yeah, that's right. And like, that's fucking horseshit. That's like, oh, maybe I'll get three takes at this motherfucker. Okay, Dave, go ahead. Uh, I, I don't think I can, I, I can't top that. I, I really, I, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, and I'd seen, I'd seen it before and I'd seen the previews uh, of it, but I think the scene on on the uh, before they go into the planet where where Peter's trying to spill his heart to Gamora, and it's actually like you know this is on an open line, and Drax is like, and it is painful. I mean that is, <laughs> that was uh, one of the funnier moments of, of of the movie. That was that was one of the highlights, and I'd seen it before, but actually like in the context of everything going on, it had a bigger. It had a bigger gravitas to it, you know, with Peter just trying to get her to come around and it's just not working, you know, and go ahead, Dave. Let me let me jump off that because I I don't know if this is cheating, Patrick. I'm sorry, but that is to me my favorite part of the movie. They had a fair amount of these really emotional moments. Right. And then again, great timing with a, a nice small joke right after to break that up, right? Uh, my eyes are starting to well at certain points of this fucking movie. And then then right at the end, you're able to be just like, it's an open line. Oh, shit. Yeah, like, that was great. That was fucking awesome. Um, yeah, I, I loved that part. If I had to pick a different thing, though, uh, it's when we finally get Rocket Raccoon. Like, that was... Yes. That was a nice like cherry on top, something that we have been, that the, you know, internet has been waiting for, for so long. And I, I was definitely wondering, like, was this something that was planned? Like from the very beginning, because, you know, that was something that was brought up relatively early. Why are they calling him rocket? Not rocket raccoon. Uh, and, and, you know, it didn't really cause too much of an uproar, but right. to me, it, the way that they built this story specifically, you know, the idea of the high evolutionary bringing the raccoon into, you know, a, a whole new species of sorts. It feels like it's so obvious that this had to be part of a story in James Gunn's mind. Well, I think like, yeah, I, sorry. Oh, no, I say, I say no, you know, no. Rocket never accepted he was a raccoon until he takes on all the babies at the end and he realizes 
I am one of these guys. And I think that that's another huge moment for me is when Rocket takes all the baby raccoons. And So for me, my highlight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Aesop a little bit on this too, because he's talked about one of the ultimate problems with Marvel villain. And that is the whole like Marvel villains have to have like some sort of a redemption arc or just something that makes you feel connected to them. There is nothing no. at all redeemable about the high evolutionary. There is nothing to no. make you feel for this character on any level. He is just straight up. He has an ethos. Like, it's not like he doesn't have a purpose. Like, he's not evil just to be evil. But, like, his machinations are so far. It's my buddy. I, I was with my buddy, uh, Matt, yesterday playing Dungeons and Dragons. And he was like, it's like they, 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 have this he was like it's just this messed up dude who just believes in nothing but purified eugenic and i was like and it's he's like it's gross i'm like yes like everything about this character is gross there's nothing where you're like oh i feel for him and why he like why he's doing what he does and the way he looks at life forms as they are all just lesser than him as he seeks to perfect it and that they are completely expendable to the extent that he would wipe out an entire planet of his creations because it's just another failed experiment and and to think about the commentary about what that means for like ethics in science and genetic engineering and oh He's he's gross, and you just you hate him, and you have to give credit to Chukwudi Uwuji, and I probably pronounced his name wrong, but he was awesome. The way that him. he built his obsession throughout the movie was right. also really good, really good. Um, yeah, and you're you're a thousand percent right, Patrick. Like we had a decent, we had a really good villain in black panther right but there was some moral ambiguity because he's fighting for his people yeah outside of that i mean when's the last time we had a a real true villain because we don't know because yeah we don't know enough about well i guess but but like really we we haven't had one in forever at least not a good one i guess you if you want to count like whatever the fuck moon knight's guy was um i i can't draw a fucking blank but like, yeah. but even still, like that's a that that had some ambiguity too with his religion and the cult shit that he's trying to start. But like, we haven't had a fucking villain in forever, forever. At least not someone that we can like unequivocally look at and say fuck that guy. God, yes, hate that. You can absolutely look at that dude and be like fuck that guy, one thousand percent. And yeah, it, it's hard because you can't. Kang's not comparable. Because we really don't know what the first of all, we don't know what's gonna happen with, but we also haven't really been introduced to Thanos. I would I would argue that Thanos, um, you're shaking your head, Dave. Why what made you relate to Thanos other than he had a twisted look at Gamora as his daughter? Thanos like had, no, Thanos had and, and you've seen it in, in the movie since then, that the sentiment that maybe he was right. You know, and, and you've heard like, people say that wiping out half of all life, like I, I don't that that's a very, uh, I, I don't know that genocide is ever like, I'm cool with I'm that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying Thanos. That's kind of what he does, though. Thanos' vision was the universe needs correcting. It's too overpopulated. There's a finite number of resources, a finite number of this. I'm going to fix it. Now, misguided though he will be, 
you could see and and, and you when everybody came, way to call him this guy <laughs> when he when everybody came back from the snap and you see people saying what are you trying to say that Thanos was right there's been some question about that there's nothing about the high evolutionary that you can look at and say I, I can't come up with a justification for what he's doing and, and Thanos you can even though it's wrong but this guy no I, I I can't you know I'm trying to like Aesop say we haven't had a real villain I'm trying to think back to the last true bastard that we had in the MCU I mean I mean I'm I'm looking through the movies right now Obadiah Stane from the first Iron Man I mean really there's nothing redeeming about him I mean like legitimately let's go back right uh Quantum Mania like uh, here's the thing you might be able to get Kang until right at the end they drop the hint that that Kang was the good guy, Kang. Kang. You know what right. I mean? Like, fuck that. Okay. Well, kind of forever. Nope. Love and Thunder. Nope. Uh, Multiverse of Madness. Nope. No Way Home. Absolutely not. Eternals? Uh, I would say even still. Shang-Chi? Like, nope. Black Widow? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're just fucking going back, 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 back. And I am not finding a single one a single fucking one that would make me think that this was like a true villain up until maybe like Dr. Strange or Mamu. Yeah. But we don't know uh, enough about yeah. him either. Uh, I mean, who knows? Anyway, as it is, the high evolutionary, there is no question. The dark There's world. no question about the high evolutionary. Can we just say, uh, Aesop, the high evolutionary is a product of uh, one university of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you want to claim that. Um, well, it just, I mean, you mean a lot of it. mean the actor, of, I'm assuming? A lot of it, yes. All right. So here's the other thing is we got um, we got some send-offs for this iteration of the Gal- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's a couple of them, not all of them, which at the end of the day, like, you know, you, you got kind of an idea of who's probably coming back. And who's not? Dave Batista, first of all, has been very clear that he is done. So Drax may not be seen. He won't like, be he's not dead. Prominent. He won't be prominent. Right. But um, not really around. Nebula's doing her own thing. Really? Nebula, Nebula and Drax are doing the thing together. Kind of. Well, yeah, yes. they are. No, not like that, but they're both re, they're, yeah, they're, they're They're both staying in nowhere. Mantis has has her, her little off to find herself sort of adventure that uh i i could see that being a one hour disney plus special and and with with very little very little trouble we have a new guardians of the galaxy at the end of this uh led by the rocket raccoon with a giant which i'm sorry i'm happy to have a ginormous group back like i was getting tired of teen group and child group I was done. I, I was. I was ready. What, what was? What? What would you call this group? Like King, college uh, year King Groot. He had the crown on right at the end. Well, King Groot. Yeah. But at the end, well, I'm talking about at the end it, during. They call them. The they call them swole. Well, swole Groot. It's yeah, what they, they were called. Swole Groot. That's what they called Groot. him. Yeah. Swole. He's all. He also. He also becomes kaiju Groot at yes. one point. That was I kind of about funny. You at that point. Um. Nice little. Nice little touch. Cosmo. The space dog is, is is now a part of the Guardians, officially, officially. Craglin, sticking with it. Can I just say the interaction between Craglin and Cosmo about being a bad dog? Like, that was yeah, just I'm a good brilliant. dog. It was brilliant. It was so brilliant. Again, great payoff. Yes, very much so. Um, and then we got, uh, 
you know, Adam Warlock and one of the children whose name I'm going to forget until Phyla was her name. That uh, seems Do we to... know her powers? She they could... look an awful lot like Ms. Marvel Cosmic Style powers. It's going to be, is her name Phyla? She could be Phyla Vale. Yeah. That's who yeah, that's, that's that's what they're implying is that it's Phyla Vale. Yeah. You want to tell everybody who Phyla Vale is, Dave, no. since you dropped it? No. But I, I will say... <laughs> I will say that no, um, fuck you and you. They, I'm not dancing for you. What's interesting to me is they have now got kind of Infinity Watch injected into the MCU, even though the main thing they're known for in the comics is for defeating Thanos. Now, it, it, it's interesting. It's like you're thinking, okay, you got Gamora. She's out there running around. You got Nebula. You've got, um, you know, we haven't seen Moondragon yet. Um, that's, I think, who we're missing. And, and you know, she could be out there somewhere. I don't know. But it's interesting to me, but yeah, Phyla Vale's just one of, she's like one of the, um, I don't know. She's not Cree. She is Cree. I think she's she Cree. is the child of Marvel. Yeah. The original and, and is the original captain Marvel, which is why her powers kind of scream. Like, and I don't think she's going to show up in, in the Marvels or Marvels. anything like that, Probably but not. like, oh, no, no. Um, but her, like the power radiating around her hands looked an awful lot. Like what we've seen out of, uh, Kamala Khan specifically, um, if I were to make a call, but looks like power derived from maybe not the same. I like in the film when she like lights up, I was like power cosmic. Like that's what jumped into my head. So I uh, saw that spoiler alert. That's in the after credits uh, tag, everybody. So you've got that going forth. And we got officially announced for better or for worse, regardless of how you feel about him. Uh, that Chris Pratt is still going to be doing Star-Lord in some way as the legendary Star-Lord will return. How he returned, who knows where he'll pop up, but he's currently on Earth with his grandfather. He's, on the, same, he's on the same ranch in Wyoming with Din and Grogu, and now his oh grandfather. They're all out there together, Tony. It's all Star-Wars. I'll meet you there, Dave. <laughs> I don't know how much of these Guardians truly go away. Um... I know that you know, they've been pretty adamant that they're not, but like no one had a real send off. They just and nobody died. Just, they split. Well, no, it wasn't even like there was no. no I needed death. Truly concrete of like no, we're done. Well, even like even like Captain America, right? Like right. he didn't die. He just decided to go. Right. It, it, right. There was nothing like that, and. It's I wonder how much of these these people make an appearance again. I I think Mantis and Nebula and Drax got left open for like a special, like Patrick said, or a short series to figure out what their next story was, right? Because they're both going on different tasks. Obviously, no, we know Quill's coming back at some point, but not as a Guardian of the Galaxy. So you have him showing up in probably what's about to happen next. And at some point, you're gonna get Guardians Volume Four because now we want to see this new crew. They gave that to you. They gave all that to you. And the, one of the biggest things they gave to you was James Gunn and his connection with the Marvel Universe and the fans. And he said, the reason that you heard Groot say different words is because now the fans are a part of Groot's family. And that's the evolution of the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's literally the reasoning that he gave in answering a question. It, it's the one thing I wasn't like crazy about. I, I didn't hate it. But, but here's what I it brings. It, Groot, it, it brings this wonderment to me moving forward with having Groot. Do now we get to hear everything that Groot says and just the people on the other side don't know. And they still carry on the same way. I, I, so I, 
I, I, yeah, I got to say, whether I don't love that because part of the charm of the show and the character to me is the way people react when the people who can translate Groot translate Groot and, and that whole interplay is a lot of fun. Like Gamora um, in this movie, we're just like, what? Right. He said what? Where she, then she suddenly can understand him, though, like understand him at the end. Him doing We Are Groot in the first movie was fine. Like, you know, that's that's a subtle. But like, I love you guys. Yeah, I was like, man, brr. And, and honestly, if the only thing that I would have paid for is if you would have said something about family, and then we could have made it a Fast and Furious type. Oh, Damn it, Aesop. <laughs> All right, so now that we've gone into good. quibbles, time for me Time for me to go into my quibble. Uh-oh. Let me Let me loosen up. Oh, boy. Fucking hated Adam Warlock. Hated. Hate, like... If that's the worst thing you got, then that's pretty good, actually. They, that means that's how here, good this here's movie why. is. Adam Warlock, and this is absolutely comic book fan Patrick, and his and everything you read of Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock is not Drax Part, and they made Adam Warlock Drax Part Two, and fuck that noise. He is a higher being, and he knows it, and it's not an arrogant stupidity it's just it's yeah i don't know tried to justify that by saying high evolutionary opened the cocoon early fuck that noise i'm i hated that reason i get the reason i hate it 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 kind of with pat on this tutty took his headset off halfway i'm kind of with you on this mad about it in full surround sound he's only got it half sound I'm listening. I know you're listening. You're only half listening. You only had one ear in, man. The pro- one ear. The problem with That's Adam right. Warlock. I you. The problem with Adam Warlock, and I, I said it coming out of the movies last night, was like, I, I don't understand the point of bringing him in, in now because we know who he's intricately yeah. tied to is Thanos. Thanos is gone unless they're going to bring back some multiversal variant of him. Better not. Um, I, I didn't mind what they're doing with him. It just it just feels out of place, and it's just like I. But I, I get what you're saying. I he is not a comic relief character. What they're doing, he's, he's not, not a comic a- relief character, and and that's what they portrayed him as. And I mean, I don't know. It just yeah, it it fell flat to me. So I'm not a big Adam Warlock fan. At least it not was, in this. Yeah, it was just it was one of those things like you're this high. He is always this higher being that you know, and he's had like you you talk about him being intrinsically tied to Thanos. He's intrinsically tied to the Infinity Stone. You know, Thanos just happened to have them. And like he he is instrumental in defeating Thanos initially. But a lot of his stories afterward are about maintaining his reality's Infinity Stones from like falling into the wrong hands until his evil alter ego shows up. And then you've got the whole Magus isn't, problem. Isn't Infinity Wars all about him and the Infinity Stones? But isn't it isn't right. it a way for James Gunn to just tie everything together through the end of Guardians as well? Considering how connected that Quill and Gamora are to Thanos. Oh. I mean, I, I don't like, have a the problem. The guy that like, was there for that is now is the one that actually is ends up saving Quill from dying after saving like which is after nearly which killing is Rocket. <laughs> right, you know what I'm which, saying? Like I, you're you're not it's hearing the, what I'm upset thing about. Hates the guard, the you know the redemption angle there for him. You know, <laughs> but, but he never had. He was never a true villain. You know what I mean? Right. And he was. He was. Just, he wasn't he was a just misguided. Fucking, yeah, I, I mean, while he was goofy, he wasn't a complete fucking joke like Modok. It's, like it's, Modok was fucking useless. Adam Warlock, right. he had a purpose to being there. Was it? And you know me, I've said it many times, Patrick. I am a comic accurate type guy. 
And was it that? No, I'm not, not even close. If you have the power that James Gunn has and you have the credentials going into this that he has, don't you go ahead and say, like, listen, I know what's supposed to happen next, but I'm going to tell it in my way. Generally, it's going to be about right, but I want to do a couple things different. And I really That's like this. It's generally about right. It's not even close to right. But you, know what I'm, like, you know what I'm saying, though? You know what I'm saying? So basically, you're saying, I got this big dick. I'm going to whip it around and do whatever the fuck I want. That's and that's James. what he did with that. That's not role. James. That, that, I don't think. And on my way out the door, I'm going to take this character and make him a little bit of a goof because okay. that's who he is. On I my did. way out the door. Here's your shitty Superman. Today that they were two holes behind. You, you can at least fix Adam Warlock. He didn't have yeah, enough did. screen time. You know, like we were talking about, and we were talking about this in the group chat the other day, Thor. Like Thor needed to be fixed going into Ragnarok, right? And that's someone that was very present, obviously, having two movies. Adam Warlock was, you know, just just a connector piece uh, to obviously get more. You can easily change up his character, make him more, uh, you know, increased anger and uh, severe, what, however you want like to do it. he was at the beginning you, of the movie. You, you have to have the right fucking villain for him, though which is an entirely different story because Thanos is done. Uh, I know, it's I know be, in the comics he was doing Ultron shit too, but Ultron is Magus. Magus is the only other one I could really think of too. Um, I do think but, he's going to be, a, like you're saying, Aesop, I think Adam Warlock will be a big part of whatever we get down the line. He's going to be him, people like him, like Captain Marvel, big power hitters that you're going to need. In Secret Wars or Kang Dynasty or whatever the fuck is going to come out of this next thing, he's going to be an integral we'll part of that. Yeah. Um, is the High Evolutionary done? We we sort of talked about this. Do we think he's done, or do you think this character? Do you, like, do you think he died? Tony it, thinks he's dead. Not dead, just not coming back. Yeah, I, I agree with Aesop. I, I have seen. There's so I don't know who the actor is. But I'm gonna say this: there's at least one rumor going around that I've seen that there's talk. They're thinking maybe he no, that's, could replace. That's, that's fan speculation that people who saw the movie are like, oh, he was really good as a bad guy. Maybe he. It's don't don't bring that pro wrestling speculation bullshit onto this show. That's what that is. That's I saw a thing I liked. We're gonna try to speak this into existence. Fucking Meltzer shit. Get that out of here. No, sir. <laughs> well, they got to do something no, with Kang. No, sir. They got to do something with Kang. Well, so far, they haven't recast him. And until they recast him or fire or or run with Jonathan Majors, which, hey, you know, DC seems to be doing it with Ezra Miller. So what the fuck? Um, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After you see the Flash, don't, all of his past transgressions will be redeemed. Get some fucking That was terrible. That trailer's pretty dope, man. I mean, yeah, when you got Batman left and right and being like, hey, we put Michael Keaton in this movie, but we're not here to talk about The Flash. We're still talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, Keaton um, will make you forget that Ezra Miller kidnapped. Anyway, and apparently Marvel might hope that we forget that, you know, lots of bad things are swirling around Jonathan Majors. Who knows? We'll see. Writer's strike, so nothing's happening. Um, all right. Others, uh, what else do we want to pull out of this episode? I, you know, I do like that it seemed like every character, you know, every core character did have a big moment, something significant that they got to do in this James Gunn swan song uh, here or there. You know, I think that, you know, Tunney hitting on the hallway scene uh, was was great. But each character had like this like shining sort of moment within it all that I just kind of loved and dug uh, throughout. And I, I was really appreciative of that. 
it seemed like, like oh go it ahead seemed like, no this is just a brief one and you can go ahead uh it seemed like nebula nebula hit it out of the park comedically more so than ever um she just was there she was very a, much she was very act- much like the connective tissue of the movie too oh 100 percent, you know and then the part where quilt it's like well your, your eyes look blacker than ever father pulled them out of my head and replaced them he did a good job yeah, well, yeah let me just tell you he picked a great set of eyes pace up uh i, I the cameos and just extra people oh. in it was fantastic nathan fillion yeah nathan fillion getting uh put in bringing back stallone in a much better role uh having uh, Linda Cardellini be Lila was very nice bringing her back into uh, for a second role. And same thing with Judy Greer too, uh, play yep. a pig. And uh, what the, the other one that God was just so perfect of a character was Pete Davidson in the sloppy, disgusting, you know, figure that was, uh, was it flecked? Yeah. The, you are in no way disgusting at all. Yeah. Uh, that that was accurate, very accurate. Wished he would have been dead, but you know, whatever. Oh, Not Pete he's Davidson. Pete Davidson in Marvel. He's he's actually good friends with James Gunn. I don't care. He sucks. Just telling you. Should die in every movie that he's in. Damn, dude. Aesop must have something for Ariana Grande or something. I, I have no idea. Dave, what did you have before we before I, I told you no? I think par- probably my favorite part of the movie was Gamora and Quill and their relationship and, and how that kind of evolved as, you know, where he's, he's bleeding his heart out to her in that one scene. And she's like, I don't think it's going to happen. But by the end, it's almost like he's accepted the fact that this is a different version of Gamora. She's kind of accepted the fact that maybe there's more to this guy than I thought there was. Maybe that's why my other alter ego saw something in him. And their relationship is kind of in a in a pretty cool place. Yes, you're rooting for them to get back together, but I think at the end we all accept the fact that it's not going to happen with this version, at least not right now. But like, yeah. So I I really low key thought that their the evolution of their relationship and how we ended up from where we knew they were before Gamora died to where we end up now with this different version of both of them. Like Aesop was saying that the doors left open for a lot of returns. It's like, you've heard it before. This didn't feel like a goodbye. It was more like a so long for now sort of situation going. So that, that was kind of what I took away from it was there was, I, I really enjoyed watching that relationship kind of play out and evolve and where they ended up at the end of it all. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was a nice sort of, I, I was really concerned they were going to try to shoehorn them back together and so i was kind of glad to not see that happen that they matured peter out of that and they they left it open so like maybe maybe they could get together one day and they they see they see the different side of the the, of who they thought they were dealing with and it left the door open that that stallone led group that she's a part of now that's the ravengers right ravengers that's the ravengers yeah Okay, and Quill used to be a Ravager, right? He previously was a Ravager, yeah. Interesting. Sure. I see what you're trying to do there. Sure. Your, Can I, I just want to say one thing. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Before, before you wrap all this thing up, I just want to say this. This is my favorite Marvel movie ever, seriously. And uh, it, it, it hit on the Jimmy V three rules of every single day. You should laugh. You should be, you know, uh, driven to 
deep thought about something and, and question, you know, what you believe in and, and your emotions should be moved to tears. And all three of those things happened to me during this movie. I loved it. And I am proud to tell you that I cried multiple times and had to sit during the credits and wipe my face off to make sure when I walked out of the theater, I didn't look like a fucking mess before I took a three minute piss in the bathroom because this was two and a half hours long. But this is <laughs> one of the best movies I've ever seen in the theater with the 3D and the storytelling and, and the way I laughed and cried and, and loved the best action sequence I've seen in a long time. This is definitely the best Marvel movie post Infinity War. I, I think that's a, that's fair for on my part. I, you know, Aesop, you talked earlier and we've said it before. We've talked about the MCU's kind of been sputtering a late, little bit. I know you said repetitive, nothing new is happening. I've used the word sputtering for a little while now. Um, This is, you know, I, I look at three movies since Endgame came out that I would say these really elevate things and show just how good the MCU is. No Way Home, which is probably still my favorite, even over this. Wakanda Forever, tremendous movie as well. Uh, this one has all of the action and all the emotion of both of those two movies. And that's saying a lot. So I would say this is, you, you know, you could slice up those three any way you want and interchange them and say those are but those three are the pillars of this next phase um you know i, I mean obviously phase five's off to a really good start with this movie you know phase four had their hits and misses for sure but yeah this is um this was tremendous in every way and jumping off of that i said it in the theater right before the movie started marvels is looking better and better and i think one of the things that is going to make that movie good is kamala khan um yeah i mean without a doubt she ties that shit in so good. Whatever. Uh, did you watch Miss Marvel? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. I was like, because that series was just phenomenal and is probably my favorite of the Disney Plus Marvel series. Like, I like it better than WandaVision. Because Wanda, WandaVision for me ran out of gas um, towards the end. But and I like Loki, but Loki kind of lost a little bit of the end, too. October for Loki sounds like so one like oh I, I got we gotta I want to wrap this up a little bit I'm sorry I know everybody's got thoughts I, I, I'm sorry I just want to get one more thing and this is about Star Lord bringing back Star Lord was a part of Nova Corps and right. me that's where he comes back in sorry just want to get that I want to bring Nova in. there there is that all right so one last thing I did want to acknowledge uh and Dave and I kind of talked about it a little bit too you know, there was a lot of angst about what we were going to actually see in terms of like the treatment of animals in this uh, film. And I do think that I would be remiss if I, if I didn't point out that, yes, there are some things that are troubling uh, to see uh, if that is something that really gives you the heebie-jeebies. But it wasn't nearly the like the media really played this up like it was like some big animal torture or porn sort of thing in the film. And it really wasn't that um, there is some body sense. horror. Made um, sense why they were right. that. Right. I'm not done yet, and, and we're not going to poo-poo people who, who have said what or whatever. I will say that um, this is the first Marvel film I've taken my son to where the little O'Dowd was bothered by something he saw in the movie. And it was uh, it was in Raccoon. It was in Rocket's memory when Lila, Floor, and Teef die. Like, that whole scene messed with him a little bit and like to enough to the point where he actually vocally was like that upset me and he's never like i mean he's i he's this is the same kid who looked at me when gamora got tossed off a cliff and told me he was okay with like like he's like daddy i'm fine with this 
and he was like nine at the time and now he's 11 or he was younger than nine um but this was this was the first time where he saw something and he like he was like wow this is upsetting like that and that was really like i could see where people who are sensitive to you know mistreatment of animals like i could see that absolutely being something that would be triggering or tough for people to watch uh, but it's not what the sort of the media kind of made it out to be. You get a lot of implied stuff. The, um, the reveal of, of Lila Teeth's and Flora right. was was more was tough. Like yeah. Yeah, that shit bothered me, and especially when when you got Rocket, who's not you know not really. Yeah. Here's the yeah. thing about it: it all had redemption, though. Like they all came back. I mean, they in, in heaven. heaven <laughs> I, yeah. I guess the stuff that Mantis. They, Befriends, isn't that like an evolution of Teefs? I kind of got the impression that maybe he. No. Oh, no, no. That's oh, the thing oh, from Guardians like 2. Layers of layers. Those are things for the, they like the battery. Yeah. So, anyway, going around the table, I don't think this is hard. I'm going to take make the assumption uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, though, nerd approved by this bandwagon. Is that a fair assessment? I'm seeing a nod from David. Two robot it. otter thumbs way up. Two robot out of ten, Tony. Tony gives it a ten out of ten. So there you have it, noble listener. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, nerd approved. Next up, we be following Nick Fury and Secret Invasion. That's coming in June. I can see Aesop is already not interested. So excited. We're gonna take our first commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna jump into the nerdosphere uh, trailer park and some news you are listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chair shot radio network part of the chairshot.com this is your boy kenny killer telling you to make sure you check out the chairshot.com bringing you breaking news interviews podcasts galore Everything progressing. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com All right, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back, those of you who stopped the podcast to give you know themselves a spoiler-free Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 experience. We are all here, still ready to jump into the trailer park. But before we can do that, Dave, I need you to play that beautiful banjo. Tony, put the banjo away. You never get to play it. You know this. The banjo has been played. Let's make our way into the trailer park. So after a few weeks of really strong trailers in the land of summer blockbusters, this week's more of a little bit of a potpourri and a hodgepodge. We're actually going to start with a television show. I can't remember. What of you shared this in the chat? Was it you, Tony? Uh, and then Aesop, I think, was the one who reacted to it and was like, this is their answer to Lego Mass. As we got a trailer for the Hot Wheels Ultimate Challenge, which appears to be a 
reality show where people are going to take Hot Wheels cars and build them into real cars. As a child, Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels and Matchbox, those, those were the brands. Hot Wheels is for the, you know, the hoity-toity rich kids, for us poor kids who couldn't afford a dollar car. We had to spend 50 cents on a car, a uh, toy car. That was, that was Matchbox. But those cars were, I mean, everybody had a, a collection of cars. Everybody had the wheel-shaped briefcase that held the cars. But, like, if you shook the briefcase on any level, they all just fucking fell out and landed at the bottom. Uh, the tracks that you couldn't keep the cars on to save your life more than like one loop to loop though i will say since since then technology has significantly improved as the little o'dowd owns crisscross crash uh the modern version of crisscross crash and that thing works like a dream uh and we 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 got a good hour and a half play out of it one christmas before we sold it at a garage sale i know it's big time but uh i don't know i as a fan of lego masters you know the the show that aesop referenced like i I enjoyed it for what it was. A little doubt loved it. What do you guys think about this idea of taking Hot Wheels cars and, and making them real? Aesop, we'll start with you uh, as you kind of leaned in on the mic like you had something to say. So I talked to a friend of mine about this yesterday, and how I described it was pimp my ride for kids for adults. And that's more or less how it is. I... I I feel fine watching it. It looks very whelming to me. I don't know why anyone would want their cars, though, to look like, you know, a, a tiger shark at the end of the day, um, especially the way that they played it up, too. It was like, like, these are these are the treasured memories. Uh, this is the car <laughs> my grandfather gave me before he passed. So we're going to go. And we're going to add a cotton candy ma machine to it. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I the idea is really fun. You know, I don't know if I want to see it, though, as a competition. I think maybe just as a show-to-show -show thing um, would be a lot better. But I like the idea that, you know, the winner gets to turn their car into a Hot Wheels car. That's fun. That's very fun. Tony, you shared the trailer. Are you going to watch the show? Yes, of course. The answer to Lego, yes, because it hits on so many demographics. You don't even have to be a fan of Hot Wheels. All you have to do is be a fan of cars or renovation or just big, bright, cool things. And yes, these people are taking cars that have sentimental value to them and adding some worth in a really cool way. And, you know, you, it's it's like saying hey you know what i'm going to change this but at the same time this special thing is going to get so many more eyes on it by doing this competition and for hot wheels is like hey you know what we want this to be a part of hot wheels how do we sell more well the first thing we're going to do is release the winner and after that if they're cool enough they're going to release like the whole season i would imagine but this connects not just kids and adults that are fans of reality tv it's car heads too Think about it. Like they think the Hot Wheels things are cool too. They'd like to see cars like that. Boy, how do you turn this 77 Monte Carlo into something that would fit into a, a, a package to sell as a Hot Wheels, but only something you can actually drive. This is OC choppers PG. We're going to turn that, that uh, Monte Carlo into a toilet bowl and you know, with wheels. <laughs> Dave, is that what you want to see? A Monte Carlo turned into a toilet bowl with wheels? 
Absolutely. I, I think Aesop's onto something there. You know, let's make, yeah, Monte Carlo's toilet bowls. I, I see the comparison. I, I actually do. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- this show looks fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's a different take on, on, you know, something that was beloved when we were all kids, Hot Wheels, Matchbox, that sort of stuff, you know? So it looks, it looks like a very interesting premise. It's certainly outside the box and it's something different, but yeah, I'm probably not as into it as, as PC Tunny is, but yeah, that's is that a, the Monte Carlo doubling as a toilet or what is that? So I just want to, I just want to say, I'm not saying I'm not interested in the show. I just think it's a little kooky. It does have to be done right. I don't want this to be a 24 episode run type shit. It needs to be 10 at most. All right, kids. So you heard it here first. Aesop Mitchell hates the new Hot Wheels show and it hasn't even aired yet. Let's move on yeah, I'm to the you. next trailer. We, we've actually talked about this a little too much. I, I really thought this would be like a three minute conversation. And other than t- uh, you know Tony, who's totally going to go see the next Christopher Nolan flick, Oppenheimer, which is starring basically everyone who's ever been in a Christopher Nolan movie uh, headlined by his boy, Cillian Murphy. Here's the thing about this film. I'm very intrigued by this movie because I I love historical dramatic films. Like I really do. And the development of the atomic bomb for better or for worse is one of the most significant invention in the 20th century period. And yes, I, I absolutely said that with force. Um, and, and so I am interested in Christopher Nolan's take on, on this film and, and again, Cillian Murphy in the, in the titular role. Um, I think this is going to be a very intense film. I think it's going to be a very depressing film, but Christopher Nolan has a track record of making very good film. Dave, you were alive when the atomic bomb was invented. Tell us, what was it like as a child of the 20s growing up in the 40s when the bomb was dropped? Kidding. Well, I'm trying to make light of atomic bomb movie. Dave's 900 years old. We all yeah, know. I wish, I wish that tech existed that I was 900. That's for sure. But are you going to check out Oppenheimer at any point? Man, it's tough because I'm like you. I love historical movies. This is the seminal moment of the 20th century. I, I think, you know, you could actually say that this is, this is the turning point where as a species, we not only develop the capacity to split an atom, but we also develop the a weapon that could annihilate all of us. Uh, so kudos to us. Pat ourselves on the back. Uh, so in that respect, yeah, I, I kind of want to watch it, but it's like I've kind of been down this whole fat boy atomic bomb development thing before. Nolan's take on it would be interesting. The trailer was good, you know, where they're talking about. Uh, so the chain reaction, what happens if it doesn't stop? Well, it burns up the atmosphere and we destroy the planet. Okay, I'm cool with this. Let's go for it. So how they got from that point to pressing the button is going to be interesting. And this, and the, I think the science behind it would be more fascinating to me. But yeah, I don't know. This is probably one I'll wait for it to come out uh, on uh, on one of the streaming services before I jump on board. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. I'm just like, a little too much drama for me. Hey, Sal. Um, th- I mean, this movie has had massive push for a long time. This is clearly, at least in my opinion, this feels like Christopher Nolan wants this to be his magnum opus. I, I mean, they've, they've been advertising this movie for a year and a half, literally. Like they, this was, I remember seeing a trailer for this in like the beginning of 2022. 
I feel like maybe even 2021. Um, it, just like a teaser type stuff. But is this going to be Dunkirk? You know, I, I really enjoyed Dunkirk. Dunkirk is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what Oppenheimer is going to be? Uh, I don't know. I'll probably see it. I'll probably use it on like a discounted movie Tuesday because that's usually. Yeah, what I, I, I understand. You you don't play full price for anything that's not a twenty four anymore. So I, I understand. I don't even do that for a twenty four. In all fairness. I bought the tickets to Guardians. I didn't show it to anyone. I just walked right through. So I might just start doing <laughs> Just see if anybody stops you. That's just awesome. Tony, I know this is your cup of tea. I know you're lining up to see this film. Uh, your thoughts on the Oppenheimer trailer? You're wrong. Uh, I, I do like these kind of psychological thriller kind of things. Um, Especially when they're like mostly historically accurate. You know, I mean, this is something that happened. I think this is going to be at least nominated for an Oscar. 100%. Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. I don't this, see how. Even if it's garbage. Was this a part of your trailers for your viewing of Guardians? Because it was for me. Yes. Yeah. It looks yeah, it amazing. I, I want to see it. I think I need to see it in the theater. Just because I'm hoping, and, and this sounds maybe a little grotesque violence wise but i would like to hear the sound in a theater as the bomb is released and what that sounds you know what i mean like if that's where we're going that has to be part of what what i'm experiencing right um so this is the this is the possibility to be a movie for a generation about something that is most definitely um, uh, uh, a seminal moment in, 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 in a century, Dave, God knows so. they've recorded that the actual bomb exploding enough where you're going to get the real recording. Well, I, and here's the other I, thing that I think people should see this. So, and here's the other thing that I think is really interesting about the, the development of the atomic bomb and then the race of various countries to get them. And, and you couple that with the cold war and really the way that the, world political stage changed after world war ii with the full ascension of the united states as a world superpower combating russia the other country that was relatively unscathed out of world war ii in the sense of just sort of their power structure and their ability to recover it, it's you can start the thread of where we are politically today from that from that moment in history and so i think it's i think it is a very interesting film to check out what is a film that I'm surprised anyone's interesting in checking out, let alone that it got made in the first place. I shared this, not really believing this would be a thing. Um, but as we talked about last week on the show, video game films on the strength of the Super Mario Brothers film aren't going away. Like, they've always been there, but now it's going to be the Hollywood thing. And we're seeing it. And we saw another slice of that evidence this week with the release of a Gran Turismo trailer. And Dave Ungar's comments when I shared this news was, but why though? And I was right there with you. And I'm still right there with you. Because I'm like, it, at the, it's, it's, it's a fucking racing game. Like, it's, it's a fucking racing game that we're, we're going to make into a movie. And to the movie's credit, it appears it's at least going to be meta. To the point of recognizing this is a movie based on a video game, so we're going to make it a movie that takes people who play the video game really well and try to train them to actually drive the cars that they've been playing in the video game to actually race. And somehow they convinced some very good actor to participate in this movie, and Orlando Bloom. 
But really good actor in this. Like David Harbour is in this movie. Why, David? Do you know? And how, yeah, here we are. Do you know how long this movie has been in production? Or at least planned for production? Too too damn long. But we got a trailer now, so. 2013. So it's been in production for a decade. That is fucking insane. Insane. And yet. Go ahead. I bet it covers its budget. I mean, yeah, I said, but why? Then I watched the trailer and then I'm like, okay, this is a little bit different than I thought. I thought oh, it would be, Dave, no. I thought it'd be fast oh, and furious. No. Some rip off of that, but they, it's an, it's an interesting premise that they've done with this movie. It's not just, we're going to do a movie based on Gran Turismo. And I'm like, there's no real story to any of the Gran Turismo games. It's just getting licenses, racing on courses, improving your car, so forth and so on. But the fact that they're saying these kids have been racing on all these courses in these virtual cars, we're going to put them in a real car and see how they do. It's like, okay, that's a little bit of a different take on it. I don't hate it. I don't have a lot of hope for it, but I don't hate it. I'm not like, I'm not, it's not like, but why anymore? It's like, okay, maybe that's interesting. I do remember what this plot was. This was the Gran Turismo Academy, the GT Academy that was aired I don't know, maybe 20-ish years ago, maybe a little bit less, 15. So, I mean, the, the tying it in like that is fine, and I think they just wanted to slap Gran Turismo as for name value. Tony, you were tapping your nose in agreement with Dave. What do you think this movie has the potential to be? It connects with a lot of audiences, the gamers, the car heads, the racers, the people that actually follow that type of racing. This is This is, people don't know this, but like, the actual F1 and NASCAR and everything in between and slightly behind them, they all practice on a simulated computerized setups. Like it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Play, now the play, point play that the they F1 drive games home, anytime and tell me how real that is. The point that they drive home is the physicality of it and what they do justice to the person that's actually sitting in this machine while it's actually performing these things in real life. Not saying that you can't assimilate some skills and definitely the best of the best do the same thing and get on, on these simulators, which are amazing. It's great actors. It's a great story. And Aesop hit it on the head. They went out and grabbed the gaming world by picking the most popular thing that assimilated the story they were telling. I thought I seen that this was like a take on something that actually happened because some of these, one of these simulated yeah. racer guys ended up making it, right? So yeah. uh, Lucas Ordonez. This is going to be really, really good. And how many times do I shit on everything we trailer here and go, I'm not interested, I'm not that. We got two in a row, you didn't think. I'm in on both these last two and I think they're both going to be really good. And especially the pointing out the casting big thing with me big thing with all of us looked great trailer was awesome i'll gladly take you on that bet there is i do not feel good about this movie at all but i will gladly they're they're going to make money not in the u.s but in the international market because f1 racing is huge across the world u.s this movie wasn't made for the united states this is one of the very few movies that was not made for here. I uh, I will maybe see it at three o'clock in the morning on Paramount Plus. Uh, I'm not interested in this movie very much at all. And it's, part of it is, frankly, it's not my thing. And, and I do think that is important to note as well. Like I, one was never big into racing games. I've never been big in auto racing at all. Like my dad has this weird obsession with the Indianapolis 500, um, which you know, fine. Um, but yeah, not not my bag, not my jam. So. 
I'm going to skip it. What I am not going to skip, though, is this last movie on our trailer list, uh, because I love when science fiction fantasy can also be treated as high art. And for as pretentious as he is, I love Dennis Villeneuve's first part, uh, part one of Dune. And we got our first look in trailer for Dune part two, where the Timothy Chalamet is back. He is riding sandworms. Zendaya is back. The movie looks just as gorgeous and beautifully shot as Dune Part 1 did. And I, I really don't have much more to say about this trailer other than this is a film. And I argued about this with Dune. And this is the same thing with Dune Part 2. This is a movie you cannot see outside of a theater with and expect to get the full experience it's just the way it's shot and the, the just the epic nature of the filming and the and the techniques that were used and you can already see it in the trailers for part two go see this on the biggest fucking movie screen you can and then stay for the the drama and the political piece that will is what makes the the movie go and the story because dune part one was great I, I think nothing but good stuff is going to come out of Dune Part 2. I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. And I, I can't wait to see it. That's me. Dave, I'll go to you first. I know you're a big Dune fan. so well, I know we did the nerd review and you reviewed it much higher than I did. But I, I've been, I, I, I remember saying at the time that I thought that the two movies would kind of join together and make, as a whole, it would make it bigger in scale and maybe make it flow a little bit better so i i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how it ends this one looks like it's got more action to it they're they're done setting things up and you know you've got you've got a lot of good stuff i agree with you this is one that needed you need to see on the biggest screen possible um hopefully you won't run into like the problems that we did when we saw it with the sound just being all messed up for some stupid fucking reason and having to watch it on i guess it'll be on max by the time it comes out but yeah, I, I want to see how this. Yeah, I want to see how the whole thing ends up. My, you know, Paul Atreides' uh, saga and you know his relationship with the uh, yeah Harkonnens. Yeah, exactly. So well, his battle with the Harkonnens. Right, and 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 Zendaya's. Uh, she looks like she's going to be an integral part of this whole story. So yeah, I I never hated the first movie. I liked it a lot. I just I'm kind of wanting to see how it ends up and see where they go with this thing. So yeah, I'm I'm in for this. Hey, up? Justice for Dune. Haven't had good Dune like productions ever. Uh, so now it would now that we had the first one, you know, in this uh, David Villanueva, you know, venture, I was down for it. Loved it. Had a good good view of everything, and I'll watch the second. I I don't really have too much. More than that, because we've had so much garbage on Dune for, you know, ever. So uh, now we're actually getting something that can provide the scale that is the entire Dune universe. The Dune universe. Tony, did you even see part one? Let me even tell you. I beg you to. I just want to tell you, Brigadoon, Schmigadoon, Dune, Dune 2... Not for me. I'm glad, though, honestly, in all in all honesty, that you guys who are fans of it are happy with what they're doing with it. That makes me happy. It's just something that's not for me. We were on a great streak, but you knew it had to end. All right. Well, maybe one day I'll get you to come around. Patrick's nonplussed response is classic. (laughs) It's it's classic O'Dowd. I know. I hear you. All right. That's going to do it for the trailer park. Let's head into some news around the nerdosphere. 
Uh, we're going to start with some casting rumors today. And let's get to our favorite MCU casting rumor merry-go-round. As we, we get a new one, it seems like, every week. Last week we were talking Mila Kunis. We were talking, I forget who the other one was. Um, this week we got another Reed Richards rumor. This week our Reed Richards rumor. This is actually a Reed Richards rumor that's been floating around for a while. Is that... Not only has there been talks, but that Adam Driver has been cast and there are talks about contract for the role of Reed Richards. When we when when this was shared amongst the bandwagon nerds chat, Aesop, you were less than excited. Why are you less than excited? No, thank you. Absolutely not. I don't need Adam Driver. He does nothing for me. He was fine as Kylo Ren. And now he is just a B-rated Alan Rickman. What What are you going to do? What are you going to do as Reed Richards? I don't know. Just no. So, okay. Um, well, there's that. Um, Sonny, do you agree with Aesop? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not, Ash- it's, not, it's not my good friend Ashton Kutcher, but maybe uh, Mila knew that uh, Margot Robbie was possibly cast as, you know. Uh, oh, that's what it was. It was Margot Robbie. Right. I mean, are story. you guys? Yeah, I'd be okay with Adam Driver and Margot Robbie. I really would. I'm fine with both of both of those. Whatever the rumors are, I'm good with both of them. I think Margot Robbie just brings in an audience with her and is really good at doing things that are inside of this universe. And Adam Driver, to me, I've I've loved a lot of things he's done. So I I, I I'm down with that. I, I'm totally okay with both of these castings, if that's the truth. And Aesop, I don't care what stupid look comes up on your face. I'm still going to be okay with it. But but I want to just know what what has he done to really make you excited in the I idea of him as Reed Richards? I liked him as Kylo Ren. I liked him in the, um, the Ku Klux Klan movie. Uh, he also did that other movie when he was married or whatever that was all about. And I, I just, I enjoy, I really enjoyed his Saturday Night Live, to be honest with you. I, I don't get this. I don't understand him. So I got Patrick I enjoying the Flash movie and I got Aesop ending up liking uh, 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 Adam Driver as, as uh, Reed Richards. Got it, Dave. We got them. Okay. Keep that in your elephant. I don't, I don't know if we have them on anything, Tony, but um, <laughs> I'm okay with Adam driver possibly being Reed Richards. I, I, it's not, it's not idyllic. I don't think, you know, but it's, it's not bad. He's got, I think a little bit more range than Aesop's giving him credit for that. That's just me, but I don't, I don't know. I think aspects of him as Kylo Ren show that, okay, maybe he can do this. Um, Margot Robbie is invisible woman. Uh, that, that I'm a little bit more okay and on board with because yeah, getting her involved in the MCU would be a coup. I think at this point you could see. Yeah. What, see so what I, I didn't talk to that aspect because I was so stuck on Adam driver. I, I get it. I get it. But I mean, if she's going to so, be that, that makes a lot more sense. All right. So let me just remind you all that all of these fucking like reports and sources uh, are from like the direct um which the adam driver one seems to have a little bit more momentum no it has no more momentum than when he was playing dr doom or when he was like i I, we talk about these because it's it's something is it's like kind of fun to talk about and speculate and argue about whether or not somebody would be good bad or indifferent uh but Every day, like my favorite thing is that, like, we in the bandwagon nerds chat have this unfortunate habit of like 
sharing tweets from the MCU Direct, which is literally just the Direct, throwing spaghetti against a fucking wall and seeing what gets traction with nothing more out there. Like, if you read the replies, it's always like, sources and it's uh, like there's no sources like there's really no sources they just it's it, yeah it's 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 fun it's a wrestling what do you want in my, defense, in my defense i have now started doing or the i understand where this is coming from but what if <laughs> right um and that's and that's really what a lot of the, and it is because one actually i don't know why it's because because why is the fantastic so fucking important that we get them cast for a movie that hasn't been written yet is not in production <laughs> like nothing's happened but it's this, biggest, and we're, we're frozen it was the biggest comic though like way back before like what coming out of what like the 40s or 50s it was the comic right and now everybody no, wants I mean, to it was developed right. in the 60s so no but um well then uh, moving into the 70s before they started making films in the 80s i i just seen it on marvel the one of the the things they had going on on uh, uh not vice but, actually i uh, may be right you may be right it may be the 50s either way look at it this way this is the fun part of what we do and i talked about this last is speculation it's a good time you have your favorite. I have my favorite. I would like to see it played this way. You'd like to see it played that way. I want it to be this close to the source material. I would like to see this iteration happen. I'm okay with this guy making this move. It, it's just fun. This is the fun part of it. If we just came on here and said, well, this would be the right thing to do. This would be the wrong thing to do. It, uh, what's the fun in that? You know, the differing. Of oh, the I, I don't, I don't disagree so about the fun of speculating. Um, I think it can be fun. I don't, actually spoiler alert like i sort of like it um i just have grown weary of the fantastic four speculation because it's like it literally has become like a weekly ritual of like this week somebody new is in the role of reed richards this week like right like there's just there it's it's and i think that because it is the kind of the last of the marquee like i'm surprised we haven't had more x-men speculation to be honest, ever since they brought up the X, um, and maybe it's because they've teased the X Men in various ways now in a few shows to where you know it's coming, that that people are a little more patient with it. I, I don't know. It's just it's strange to me that the 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 uh, MCU casting rumor verse at large has really fixated on the Fantastic. Well, and it's, you, it's one you didn't even mention was Paul Mescal, who's also been rumored heavily for yep. John storm which that one's fine i'm okay with that i don't right i don't know i maybe it's because of the fact that we had like decent x-men films right exactly what i was going to say we've never had a decent fantastic four movie no it's been garbage it's been garbage and it's been non-stop garbage outside of john krasinski and his little bit in multiverse of madness i mean that's a fun casting the the pressure to get it right is amplified whereas with x-men there's a little bit more you got a little bit more margin for error because we've had some good x-men yeah right like 20 years ago 30 years ago days of future past was fun first class was good was it though yeah Yeah. okay um she's got apocalypse dark phoenix that one make you let's let's not talk about yeah let's talk about that you know, Power Rangers villain. All right, let's move into a different casting rumor. So this movie's getting a sequel, uh, which I kind of figured it would get a sequel uh, and, and it's straight to HBO Max release. Uh, I can't say that I hated it. Uh, I can't say that I loved it either. 
but Mortal Kombat, the uh, rebooted film franchise of the beloved video game franchise, is indeed getting a sequel. And the rumor is that Carl Urban from The Boys has possibly been cast to play Johnny Cage. Um, I guess that means that Johnny Cage is going to be the focal point of the next Mortal Kombat movie. Better be. Because if you're going to cast Carl Urban to play Johnny K, Johnny Cage, not Johnny Cash. Um, though Carl Urban as Johnny Cash, that'd be that, something. That does make sense. Uh, uh, I, American actor Johnny Cage played by Australian actor Carl Urban, uh, who plays, you know, foul-mouthed Limey in... Uh, in the boys i don't i don't know fellas it's it's fine i guess for what it's gonna be it's fine dave no it's no not, it's just it's not fine you're not fine we got forced into like watching the mortal Kombat for the nerd review and i know you and i were just like oh there's a couple hours of my life i'm not going to get back and this second one's not going to be any better I, I don't i've got a carl urban's not going to save this fucking train so if ray was on here he would be defending the movie Ray's not here. There's nobody to defend this thing. Hey, no. <laughs> Good Johnny luck. Can't wait Good for luck Carl to Carl Urban to be Johnny Cage. Look at him. Look at his nipples. Yeah, look at his nipples. Mr. Nipples. There you go. No. Uh, listen, I, I loved playing Mortal Kombat on Sega Genesis, the uninhibited virgin. Um, and I don't understand how a 50-year-old Carl Urban is going to be Johnny Cage. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Unless he's like Johnny Cage's senior and he's you know culturing johnny cage jr here but ah uh, yeah i'm not down with it i just thought it was news you know a couple iconic things that are you know relevant right now iconic yeah uh, is that is that that is a word to use asap what do you think well mortal Kombat's iconic right carl sure. urban is iconic in the you know comic book portrayal you know space okay i was very excited for the that first movie and was thoroughly disappointed outside of Josh Lawson's portrayal of Kano, who made me laugh frequently throughout that movie. But um, it, here's the one hope with Carl Urban potentially doing Johnny Cage is that they get the fuck away from their original character of Cole. That fucking garbage ass character was so bad, so boring, so blase. It brought every last aspect of that movie down. I, I mean, I, I'm going to be an optimistic person and just try to be hopeful that they can fucking bring any life into that series. Um, because God, was that first movie just, just fucking awesome awful yeah that's why i love aesop yeah. being on the show just no holds barred just I mean, it wasn't uh, good it wasn't huh okay um it wasn't good I, I i don't remember i mean it was better than the ones from the 90s i will i won't say that but ah, that's not a really high bar oh I'm, don't even fuck you first of all the first mortal combat awesome I'll give you Mortal Kombat Annihilation. That movie is atrocious, but no. don't you dare besmirch the other one. God damn it. Really? After all the besmirching you do on this program, you're yes. going to sit there and try to tell me not to besmirch something? Like, you don't you don't think yes. that I don't know my own show? You don't think I don't know how this works? I will besmirch whatever I this wish, sir. The same guy that's stuck up for Problem Child 2. On a five by five. What's wrong with Prop Child 2? <laughs> it, it was part of the assignment, by the way. 
So him acting like I sat here and regaled the greatness of Problem John 2 is is a little a little bit of an exaggeration. You are dissing Christopher Lambert. God damn it. Yes, he totally is exactly what I envisioned when I pictured the god of lightning. Veronica Vaughn. Gene Wilson. Come on. All right, let's move on to a different genre altogether, and let's talk a little music the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame listed or um, announced their inductees for this year, headlined, interestingly enough, by Rage Against the Machine, uh, uh, amongst the other inductees, including Cheryl Crow, Willie Nelson, Kate Bush, Missy Elliott. The Missy Elliott. I gotta think that Kate Bush, by the way, that's gotta be a, a Stranger Things resurgence nomination because. Can we be real here for a minute? Who here was talking Kate Bush until Stranger Things put it put her her song out running up that hill? Uh, honestly, that is so fucking overrated. Kate Bush running up the hill is not even that good of a song. Like, relax. Well, damn, he is angry. He's an angry elf. Almost violent, dare say. I know. Uh, so uh, interesting notable in, in their uh, snubs once again iron maiden nominated did not get in Soundgarden also nominated did not get in and the white stripes uh nominated not inducted this year yeah i guess i always find this rock and roll hall of fame thing interesting because I, I enjoy watching the special on hbo where they celebrate the people who who get in and their performances by other artists of these musicians i always love that there are head scratchers uh especially as i as i explained it on the show at this point i really just feel like it should be rock and roll or it should be um sorry popular music hall of fame like music that has been popular that gets into the hall of fame because like i love willie nelson like totally respect you know the 90 year old man who's basically just made out of hemp at this point but Rock and roll? Would we call him rock and roll? I don't know. Missy Elliott. <laughs> Missy Elliott? Exact same. Um, but I don't know. I, I was happy for Rage. Good for Rage. Um, Dave, you're an Iron Maiden fan. Why aren't they in the Hall of Fame? Because the people running the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are idiots. I, I, I don't. I don't think there's any other way to sugarcoat it. You look at these omissions and who they let in and when. I mean, like when they let Green Day in the Hall of Fame, it's like. These guys are far from done. What are we? What are we doing with this sort of thing? Um, how long Let, did it? Yeah, how long did it? Them. How long did it take Rush to get in the Hall of Fame or Kiss? That's true. Or well, some of these other bands who like the hell are right, you doing? I'm sorry, putting Kiss and Rush in the same sentence. Like I just, I can't, I gotta stop. Just you putting there. them I'm in like, the same no. hall. I didn't put them in the same sentence. There was a period what's, what's, between those what's two. What's wrong with? What's wrong with putting them in the same sentence? Talent wise, uh, the exact same, talent wise, exact everything tuned over and over again, and are famous because of their game. Like ta- they're the ultimate warrior of rock and roll music. I agree Whoa. with Patrick. Putting uh, them talent wise uh, in the same uh, sentence, uh, no. I said it. Time out. Time out. Because you're wrong there. Are we pre pre like uh, the over bastardization of Kiss was fucking awesome. I oh. Fuck that. Who, Rush. Who listen, what? what? Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Hold whoa. on. That's not, that's not where I'm trying Back to up that either. Yes, hold on. Rush sucks? A little bit. How, how do you justify that? You can't. You can't You can't hate on Canada's greatest power trio. He's he's about to, unless I mute him. Oh, am I am I going to be able to talk? I don't, I don't know. Speak, speak your feelings. Safe space, kind of. Not really. 
<laughs> here, come on over here. I won't stab you, but maybe I might. I'm good. I'm oh, good. it's right. Aesop does not like Rush. Anyway, here's here's what it comes yeah. down to. It's a nice Mute little it. music museum. I didn't mute you. No, but I, I'm saying I'm just going to get muted if I do. No, I mean if you hate Rush, like that's fine. It's not for everybody. You know, lowbrow music lovers need their music. That's why they have Kiss and you know, smart oh, wow. people have Rush. Yeah, I don't so agree with that go. either. I don't agree with either of you right now. <laughs> Fuck you, Patrick. That's excellent. <laughs> oh, okay. Vocals, so, bad lyrics. Uh, bad on. lyrics. Lyrics, lyrics that are Let's taught in schools to teach kids poetry it is bad save lyrics. This, save this All for right. a musical chairs episode. So someday we're going to have to fight really hard over some music. Friendships will end. Somebody will leave the chat. It'll be great. As it is, we are going to take, I don't care. Uh, we are going to take our second commercial break. I still love Aesop, even if he doesn't love Rush. And I hope Aesop still loves me, even if I don't love Kiss. We'll we'll get along uh, on some level. Maybe I agree. Just, I agree just, with that a lot of that po- like later Kiss is bad. Early Kiss yeah. is great. We just won't rush That's you guys to Kiss. Both bands hey, have been every, on musical every, chairs. What's that? Both oh, fans have been on musical on. chairs. So, all right, we're going to take our second commercial break. When we come back, we are going to talk a little bit of Star Wars news and then wrap up discussing the big writer strike that is taking place. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code Chairshot. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. We are still friends. Uh, Mom and dad are done fighting for today. Uh, We'll we'll see what happens later. Uh, I get Tony in the divorce, though. Okay. So um, I'm just You're going to have. Oh, wow. Can I read something that's just absolutely stupid? (laughs) Is it the... Uh, sure. No, Rolling, 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 Rolling Stone. This guy from Rolling Stone, David, I mean, David Fear. Don't hesitate at yeah. all. David Fear's review of the this sentence about Guardians of the Galaxy three, dark, wearisome, and bombastic, along with an ensemble cast clearly radiating that they'd rather be somewhere else is not what we came to a Marvel movie for. We already have the DCEU for that. <laughs> he gave it a 40. Dude. He gave it a 40. I'm like, no, you're so fucking far off base. Wow, man. Oh, wow. I, you know, I haven't, I haven't looked at the Rotten Tomato score or anything, but that guy. Metacritic's that at guy's... a 66, which is low. Uh, I saw, I thought last I checked, they were at the like mid eighties point. Rotten I can Tomatoes. Look yeah. They're, they're high. So, I mean, that's a review bomb. That's all that is. is mm. That is, that is 81. not paying. Eighty-one on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that guy, that guy, that guy didn't pay attention to what was put in front of him. Like, actually, pay attention to what was in front of him. That's okay. We can disagree with a fuck not over Rolling Stone magazine. Let's talk a little bit of Star Wars news, like though. Much. Audience scores ninety-five. Yeah, so that's all that really matters. Um, Kathleen Kennedy, who is the new head of Star Wars Films, recently did an interview, and I thought this was really interesting. And I gotta say, uh, I didn't get angry at what she put out there because basically what she said is that she wants star Wars movies to start to feel like events again. And what that will likely mean is longer wait times between star Wars content hitting 
theater. In a world where we talk a lot about films being rushed and put together. Now, this could all backfire like a bad movie is a bad movie, right? Like there's no denying that. Uh, But in, in an era where we've talked a lot about the MCU and the way that we felt like a lot of recent additions have been kind of rushed to theaters and the way that timelines have been built to where quantity seems to happen more than quantity she actually she likened the schedule to like an mg like mgm's james bond release schedule talking about how they come out every three or four years and there wasn't this pressure to feel like you had to have a movie every year and that she feels this is very important to star wars that there is a need to eventize this as she put it and and then they you know we kind of look back on 2015's force force awakens and how disney then went into this like one movie per year sort of thing of alternating between episodic installments with the last jedi rise of skywalker and the spinoffs um but these movies didn't particularly perform well and weren't necessarily the best stories that they've put out there and this is saying a lot when you compare it to the prequels so i i think this is a a a sound theory uh, i'll be interested to see how it goes in practice uh tunny who is all about getting new content as fast as possible uh your reaction to kathleen kennedy kind of maybe pumping the brakes a little bit on getting cranking out star wars films for the masses listen first of all we're going to win our division okay and we're going to do that by running the ball so i just want you to know that that's what it sounds like. It sounds like a coach coming out and saying, well, you know, we're going to take this very specific thing that worked a long time ago and we're going to make it work right now because that's what works. And we're going to stick to that. What what worked a long time ago? The James Bond release schedule that is ongoing and can currently happening? No, but Star Wars, when they would spread out their releases over they were five every six, three years. Years. Right. So that's they want to go back to. But you have all this streaming stuff, too. So what are you going to do about that? Like. I see all this coming down to being nothing and you'll get one every two years because they have to still compete so, with Marvel and DC. Do they I think know? they're just full of shit. They're, they're, under, this, they're, under, shit. they're, they're under the same umbrella as Marvel. Uh, she said nothing about streaming. Like She said nothing about streaming in terms just of saying. what cranking out. But at the same time, you're telling that story in that avenue. Sure. I think, I, I, anyway, I'll, other, other members of the group, Dave, you're, no, because I, I don't want to get into a back and forth with you before the other two people have weighed in. That's for arguing over rock and roll acts. And we're not doing that right now. We're talking about Star Wars. So uh, which when, when we fight that way, like we need all four of us yelling into the microphone at the same time. That's how Star Wars argues. So, Dave, uh, your thoughts on this sort of altered schedule proposal that Kathleen Kennedy is talking about? Star Wars has to find a balance between like the MCU model, which is like putting stuff two or three movies a, a year and what Star Wars was, which was like, what, 16 years between Jedi and Phantom Menace, and then another decade between Revenge of the Sith and Force Awakens, the latter is a little bit too long, I would say. You don't want to go that far because I don't... Yes, you eventize it, and you make it so that when Force Awakens come out, which I liked, I know you didn't, Pat, but we all rushed out to see it because, oh my God, it's a new Star Wars movie after a decade. I've got to go see it. And I don't have a problem with like if you're setting trilogies up where you're releasing one movie every year, year and a half. But yeah, I, I don't I don't mind the notion of stretching this out a little bit more and not making it so that we got to have a movie every year. But yeah, I don't want to see it go out five years between movies. And right now, look, Rise of Skywalker is 2019. We're coming up on four years between movies right now. That's a little bit long. 
in this modern day and age. I mean, if they're going to stream stuff, great. Fill in things with streaming, that's fine. I don't know if you want to go like five years between movies. That seems a little bit much to me. I agree, stretching it out, I'm fine with that. But you got to find that balance. And they haven't really done that yet. Okay, I guess I'm on an island right now so far. Aesop, your thought on easing up on the schedule a little bit. I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, at this point, Star Wars has become like Call of Duty, where it's a new one every year. And it's the same old shit. So I don't know. I, I I don't need it to be super long, though. You know, where it's like multiple, uh, like a uh, decade plus whatever. I, maybe, maybe like a four or five year span. Why not? Why not? So, I think that's long enough. And if you're able to run it in a similar sense that like, let, let's just say the Olympics, right? So it's, you know, one year or it's a movie. Two years later, it's a, a TV series. Two years later, it's a it's a movie or some shit like that. I don't know. I feel like that's a good spread. All right. So quit shaking your head, Tony. loving. Let's let's talk. Okay, I want to talk about the whole. The first two Brinks trucks were enough. We don't need the next 12. Don't worry about it. All right. So let's let's. As as everybody's getting disgusted here, I want to point out a couple of things. Star Wars makes plenty of fucking money, movie or no movie. Like, literally May the 4th, nothing happened, and yet Star Wars made a shit ton of Just in other random merch or whatever. In terms of film, I think there is a little bit of a conflation here uh, of this, like, looking at the trilogies as, like, sort of separate entities that were, like, the original trilogy came out way back in, in 77 and it was 77 80 and 83 those were three years apart people were excited for it. They, they highly anticipated it. george lucas didn't touch star wars intentionally for 20 years or 10 whatever years it was 20 10 15 20 years whatever 16. it was yeah but who's counting uh um, me because because of the technology and the lack of interest of doing the prequels he was completely in charge and in control of all this stuff made the prequels they made a bunch of money they weren't very good uh you know, nostalgic enjoyment of them, notwithstanding, like Attack of the Clones, widely regarded as about as bad as you can get on Star Wars. I, you know, looking at then what happened when Disney purchased Lucasfilm and their goal and guy, you know, their goal to kind of crank these films out and give us more story because we were like this content craving folks led to one, a very uneven trilogy where we put J.J. Abrams in charge, had him make a movie, then didn't like the second movie that came out. So we then put J.J. Abrams back in charge it fully to make movies. And it was rushed and kind of haphazardly redone to retcom and made no goddamn sense uh, to these other stars. Like, I love Rogue a great story. I just think there's something to be said for if you're wanting to put out films that are going to make fans happy and get them excited. What's the harm in being intentional to take your time with it? You know, they, they've announced three directors with three different trilogies coming up. Even in the way that they work those together, you're going to get your content and you're still going to get your series. So I don't think it's going to go away. But I think how those movies come out and being an event, like, sure, makes sense in my brain. I'm saying spreading them out now means every other year or for a decade. It's not longer than two, two and a half years. Like, that's it. Maybe. And by the way, Aesop, the Olympics... They're every two years, summer and winter. Good call. 
I mean, did you not hear how I explained it though? I mean, no, no, I, I just, re- I just, I was just re-explaining it to you so that you knew that you were right. Now I was just helping you be right when we move forward to the future. Okay. Um, what, what the problem is with the Disney movies is honestly everything past the original trilogy is over explanation. You have to explain everything in Star Wars. Why? How about just take some time and give me some original fucking story work and not have to be attached to something that happened before outside of the force, you know, Sith, uh, you know, Jedi. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. One second, one second. Stop making movies to explain the old movies. That's been a big problem. Every single movie outside of A New Hope is literally based off of explaining the last shit. Now, granted, the trilogies are meant to do that, right? They're meant to explain each other and all tie in together. But literally, they all do that. They all fucking explain something that previously happened. Fuck that. This 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 is ultimately what was my big problem with the third season of The Mandalorian and my problem with this season of The Bad Batch is the amount of water that those two shows carry to explain shit to make the sequel trilogies make sense. So on that note, because I love exasperating Tony and then moving on to a new topic, let's keep him angry and talk about the writer's writer's strike. Um, So as many of you know, last week, uh, the Writers Guild of America followed through on their promise to go on strike. Basically, they are arguing for compensation in a changing world of film and television, specifically around streaming and the nature of streaming services. And and this is a lot for television in that seasons have started to change. Seasons of television have started to change from the old school format of 22 episodes uh, in a season down to 10 to 12 to, to maybe 13 tops entering onto a streaming service. And the change in revenue has not filtered into the writer. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks back when when I wasn't here, you guys talked about this writer strike sort of looming on the horizon. And, and really, the talk was a lot about like films. And I think while film is a part of it, it, it absolutely like theatrical releases. And we see that we're going to talk about some projects that got delayed. Uh, I think it's is far more impactful in the immediacy with television. And we saw that. Uh, as early as this weekend, as late night television is has gone on hold. None of your your major like late shows uh, are are currently airing due to the writer strike. As the the hosts support those writers who are out there on the picket lines, we saw that happen with Saturday Night Live. The last three episodes of the season are on hold, uh, and so there will be no new episodes of Saturday Night Live for uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, some streaming shows have been put on hold as well. Cobra Kai, its final season was currently put on hold uh, as as a result of the writer strike. We, you know, most relevant to us though, Dave sort of laughed at it and mocked it because it's been in development, delayed hell for quite some time. But Blade, the MCU Blade uh, project, has been put on hold this time, being cited as due to the writer strike. Now Dave doesn't believe it, but that's just his, you know, you sarcastic. Do? You don't believe it either. I'm, you, Dave. I, be- I believe it. Man. I believe it enough. I believe it enough to, to, to buy it. I think we got a lot of film projects that we're going to learn 
in the very near future are on hold until this thing gets resolved. Uh, but it's mostly going to hit, hit up TV. Now, there are some exceptions. Oddly enough, there are a couple of shows that are moving forward filming without scripts. Rings of Power on Amazon. They were well into filming and into production when this happened. And so they're seeing their work through. And oddly enough, House of the Dragon is going forward with its season two as of the last thing I've seen reported. So again, going forward without writers, for those of you who don't know, that's a mildly surprising because scripts are never just written and then act when, when film. Like scripts are written or put out there uh, and then changes happen all over the place. I think we notably, I can't remember what we were talking Oh, it was Air. The movie Air was uh, heavily rewritten by many of the actors that were involved, like Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. Uh, everybody sort of had a hand in working with this script. However, credit went to the guy who wrote the original script. But his original script, he even says, is nothing like what ended up on the screen. But he got the credit. And that was a credit to Ben Affleck and Matt Damon in particular. We were like, look, this was us. With Goodwill Hunting, we're paying that forward to you. Um, so here we are. We're in a pause. Thoughts on any of this before we talk about the idiocy of David Zaslav, who says that writers are going to come back because they just love writing and they'll they'll, they'll just they'll they'll not get paid because they love. To. Uh, Dave, without ripping on the blade thing, talk talk. To, how are you feeling about this writer strike and where we are right now? I mean, I think the writers are justified. I think we've we've kind of just sorry. It's just people coming to the house. The dogs uh, agree. The dogs agree. I mean, we've, we've talked about it before that you know you've got these writers have not been paid what they're worth for quite some time and and i think that this strike was unfortunate but inevitable i, I mean i i'm not terribly surprised rings of power and, and house of the dragon is moving forward you've got source material to draw from these aren't like these are original things that were written just for the shows so you've got I, i'm curious you know what wheel of time is in development hell right now but we'll see where that goes but yeah, I, I think I think they'll work it out eventually. But, you know, at this point, these guys have been yeah, they've been marginalized economically for a very long time right now. And I think that this is this is the culmination of that. It's probably, you know, we've talked on this show before about necessary lawsuits, necessary things happening. This feels like a necessary strike. They needed to do something to get the to show that they were serious and to get the attention of the big companies to say, hey, okay, they actually did walk out on us. Now let's see what we're going to do. Tony, Aesop? I can tell you that in 07, 08, it was a 100-day strike. In in 1988, it was 22 weeks. So I think we're going to fall somewhere in between there, to be honest with you. I think a lot of your network television stuff, et cetera, is going to suffer very blatantly, and you won't see that until the turn of the new year. And as far as streaming goes... We talked about this before. Whoever's got the biggest arsenal waiting and ready is going to be the one that prevails coming out of this thing because it looks like we're going to lose some stuff. Although you do hear things like specifically the new Deadpool movie has a finished script and they're going to do it. And the problem with that is Ryan Reynolds doesn't get to rewrite anything. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's part of what's going on. Uh, Aesop. We're going to see this in uh, in different aspects. And the one that's going to be affected the most are the comedies, um, because yep. that's the one that needs writers more than anything. Being topical, yep. being poignant as well, depending on you know what you're talking about. 
you know, a drama, horror, especially horror, like you could just make that shit up yourself, right? There's so many tropes that you can kind of build from. Comedy has to be relevant, and um, you, you just can't do that uh, without actual comedians. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, Look at the I, effect that it's having on Aesop's performance for this show today. No writers. He's just horrible. Oh, I don't know how you got a writer because you seem to be the biggest joke all day. Bottom. Oh, look at that. Hey, yo. Um, yeah, just, anyway. I love you. Oh, <laughs> that. Just you. Trying, tr- trying way too hard, buddy. Am I? I don't know. I thought that was pretty easy. You lobbed it up for me. Oh, so, sorry. Patrick's busy Thanks, choking. Uh, <laughs> uh, down. I'm like your father. Please. Oh, he's okay. Are you okay? I hope you're okay. Yeah, I went to like speak and like I don't know what happened there. I I will say this: I'm extremely concerned. Like this is where shows on the chopping block get canceled. Bad Bank right? 182. We almost lost Patrick O'Dowd. Yes, survival of the fattest. Um. Anyway, you. whatever. You're you're a finely tuned athletic machine from what I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you to go anyway, to killing street. I only go by the I only go by the white whale. <laughs> and the only Ahab has begun as well. Anyway, back to this. I think where we're going to see. I think you're absolutely right, Ace. Up in terms of talking about comedies and its impact on comedies and how that hurts things. It's also this is where shows that are iffy on coming back don't come back. Like this is what like there and I, it was it was crazy the amount of shows that we lost due to the rider strike uh, or nearly lost. Like one of my favorite shows of all time, Tony hates it, but scrubs, like they thought scrubs, the scrubs people thought they were done. Like they really thought they were done. They didn't think we were going to NBC, let them go. And they were fortunate to, to get picked up by ABC to wrap up their, uh, their post rider strike season, because the last episode of scrubs for a long time was not good. Uh, at all, uh, because it wasn't designed to be a series finale, but they rejiggered the season uh, and it's 14 episode seasons to put something that sort of felt like a finale so that they could walk away from it. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. And I think that like some shows that are that, that are new, that are only like a season that can like it's not a it's not a great show by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it gets people to watch uh, like I'd be worried about the new night court show, um, stuff like that. Like, it's okay. How big is it's following? Is it strong enough to survive a lengthy rider strike? Uh, you know, I think your late, late shows are going to come back eventually when the writer's room can come back, but it's sitcoms. Sitcoms are the ones that suffer. Yeah. And don't be surprised if those things get repackaged as well, right? Because that happens a lot in these situations where, you know, something wasn't popular gets canned and then they decide, you know what, we'll run it back with a different cast, you know, a different setting, sure. whatever they, they tweak something. And that's without a writer's strike. Yeah. This, this will just sort of, uh, you know, make things move a little bit faster. The biggest thing we're going to lose is a, f- a performance by the Foo Fighters on Saturday night live. Well, that's the biggest thing you're going to, um, uh, you, know, you don't like the Foo Fighters. What the fuck? I do love the Foo Fighters. I love them very, very much. I would love to see them live in person. And if I could go to Boston calling this year, I would do it because they're playing Boston calling, but I can't make it. I, I hope that this is a shorter strike than the previous one. They're asking for 3%. That's, that's what they're looking it's for. Doable. It is. And it is really, as Tony likes to talk about, you know, billionaires, you know, parting with some money, like part with some money for fuck's sake. Uh, and I'm okay, by the way, 
with not getting new entertainment so that these people can get paid. And you should be too. Like these people entertain you. They should get paid to, to, to entertain you. So that is my opinion. Not sure how the rest of the group feels. I agree with, with me though. So, all right, fellas, that's going to do it for this week's uh, edition of bandwagon nerds. I think we're going to put a bow on it here. Let's take a quick trip around the call and tell everybody where they can find you on the chair shot radio network and the socials. If you are so inclined, we will start to my lower left on my screen, which is the lawyer, David Ungar. You didn't want to talk about the love of writing, Pat, and David Zaslav's idiocy? Anyway, these guys are... Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to skip that. That dude said that the writers are going to fold because they love writing. That's, that's right, just, because... He's a wank. Even the people who love their job always say, I get paid to do what I love. The operative word getting getting paid. Anyway, right. you can find me on free. Twitter at Attitude, at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude AGG, Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And as always... If we have said anything that has pissed you off here today, and we probably have, send your tweets, hate tweets to at it's me DPP. Tony, what can we do with that guy? Yeah, fuck that guy. Exactly. Uh, continue to listen to everything Chairshot Radio Network on all your favorite streaming platforms. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot. We got your nipples covered. Should be uh, that new, should be a shirt. Uh, new shirt in development. Uh, I get paid to do what I love. Bandwagon nerd shirt. That's that's right there. Uh, you can find me, uh, Aesop Mitchell on the Twitters, uh, at violent Aesop, uh, also at Dave and Cudahy. also give a listen to me and my brother, Tom, as we do each and every week on down the wire podcast, where we talk professional sports in unprofessional ways. And you can catch me on the socials, on the Twitter at wrestling realist that is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. Also, be sure to follow Bandwagon Nerds on the Twitter as well, at Bandwagon Nerds. We had a lot of fun on May the 4th. Maybe we should fight about uh, rock and roll artists uh, on the on the Bandwagon thread. That might be fun. Put up a little poll as to who's who's more the musician, Rush or... No, put the banjo away. What the fuck? You heard me. Put away <laughs> who's the bigger band, Rush or Kiss. Anyway, you can catch that all on our Twitter thread as well. Uh, and yeah, give me a listen every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Every Monday, talking nerdy stuff with Bandwagon Nerds. Tuesday, talking hockey for a few more weeks with David Ungar until we switch over to musical chairs. And Wednesday, talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on the Greg DeMarco Show. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the sun, or get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun. <laughs> Listen to some motherfucking rush. Listen to some kiss if that's your thing. Argue about Star Wars and support the writers. They give you the entertainment that you enjoy every single day on those streaming services, and they deserve your support. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com.
when Sire moves us to the new world, we're gonna need names. I mean, 89Q12, it's not really a name. So, I would like my name to be Lila. 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 That's a pretty name, Lila. Thank you. I think my name shall be Teefs. Because although we all do have them, mine are definitely the most prominent. Teefs. <laughs> Teefs. Lila. Teefs. <laughs> me be called Floor because me is lying on floor. You're lying on a floor? So your name is Floor? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> floor. floor. What about you, friend? Someday, I'm gonna make great machines that fly. And me and my friends are gonna go flying together into the forever and beautiful sky. Lila and Teefs and Floor and me. Rocket. Rocket. It really is good to have friends. Yeah. <laughs>